Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Hi, today with me is Daniel Blanchard. Daniel is an educator, award-winning author, a mentor, and a speaker. With 14 years of college and several degrees in education, he is a voice to be reckoned. He is an inner-city school teacher and coach. He was picked by the American Federation as the face and voice of educational reform. That's quite a handle. He has an insight and understanding of teens, and this is what really impressed me when I was uh, looking at his at his website and reading about him. An insight and an understanding of teens. We our teenagers need mentors, and so I'm excited to see what Dan has to share with us today. He's also written teen leadership and mentoring books in a series called Grand Daddy's Secrets. We all need secrets, and granddaddy's secrets are the best. Anyway, please welcome Dan Blanchard. Hi, Dan. Hi, Carol. How are you? Thanks for that great introduction. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm excited to hear um, many, many things that you're going to share with our listeners today. First of all, let's talk about what kind of teenager you are. Or, sorry, you're, you're not a teenager anymore. <laughs> What kind of a teenager you were, and if that had any type of influence about the passion, you know, that you have now to help youth. Like, did that make an impact, or is it just a love that you have for kids now? Oh, okay. I believe I'm still a teen in spirit in many ways. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, going back to my actual, uh, my youth, my growing up and my teen years, uh, I was actually born in uh, downtown, or I should say in the North End of Harford. It was a very rough neighborhood. Uh, what first state is that in, Dan? That's in Connecticut. Okay. So the north end of Harford in Connecticut, and it's a, uh, Connecticut's the capital. I mean, Harford is the capital of Connecticut, and the north end of Harford's a very rough, rough spot. Uh, so me and my brother grew up, you know, using our fist a lot, and uh, eventually ended up in East Harford, where I spent my teen years in East Harford. You're talking yeah. about a high school now, East Hartford High? Yes, yes, graduate East Hartford okay. High, 1988. That's a little clue of my age. So 1988, graduate East Hartford High School. I was actually a two-time state champ wrestler and a two-time junior Olympian wrestler as well. Wow. Yeah, and I like to think that some of that came from, you know, my very difficult and challenging uh, upbringing during my youth years. And that's a message that I try to spread to teens and youth today that, you know, just because you're living under rough circumstances doesn't mean that you can't, like, have ambition and drive and be someone. As a matter of fact, 
if you're like a little angry over that, the, uh, the hand that life has dealt you, that's good in some ways because you can use that as like a little fire in your belly. That's right. To get moving and like to do something important, maybe to help, uh, you know, change your life for the better and change the life of people around you for the better. So I like to think that, you know, the, the rough upbringing, uh, for myself and for many of our youth today that are facing a rough upbringing, that it could be a blessing in disguise. And it could uh, fire you up to do something special like it did for me. You know, I ended up as a two-time state champ wrestler and a two-time junior Olympian wrestler, you know, for a reason. It didn't just happen. You know, I had a lot, had a lot of drive and a lot of ambition, you know. So um, I definitely think that going through what I did was, was actually in some ways good. And uh, it made me put me in a frame of mind where when I see kids that are struggling today, mm. I want to help them. You know, I want to say, listen, count your blessings. You know what I'm saying? Count your blessings because you actually got something going for you if you're, if you're struggling now. Uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, struggle as an adult for the first time. You're right. That's an excellent, excellent point. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, were you bullied was this part of the, like you said, in, in the rough neighborhood where you had to use your fist a lot? Was it because you were a bully or were you bullied? Well, Carol, sadly, me and my brother were the only two white boys in the neighborhood. Okay. So we faced a lot of, like, reverse racism. Okay. And everywhere we went, even in our own yard, it wasn't safe. You know, we'd have kids screaming uh, racial names about us because our skin was a different color than everybody else's. And we were constantly um, being jumped, uh, you know, even our, in our own yard, it wasn't safe. So we were constantly being jumped and we had no, no other course of action but to learn how to fight back and learn how to fight. And, um, you know, and this could be another blessing in disguise. Right. If you choose to use it the right way, you know what I'm saying? Like learning how to stand up for yourself, learn to have empathy for, you know, for people that are victims of racism, uh, and, and learning to use your skills and your firing and belly in the right way. Now, my brother was a great, great fighter, but he, he kept using it for the streets. Okay. And all through his teens and through his adult years, he kept using it for the streets, and he kept being arrested. Whereas okay. I funneled mine to the wrestling mat, to the football field, and found myself getting trophies and awards and medals and, and people patting me on the back for putting up a good fight instead of throwing me in jail. You know, for putting up a good fight. So, so what, it's, a, it's a choice. What was I was going to say, well, what was the difference? Be, what You both are brought up in the same home. He chose one direction and went the negative path, and you took that negativity and turned it into positive. So what do you think? Was it strictly your your personality, your nature, or was there something else that was motivating you to make something better of yourself? Uh, Carol, I can't speak for him why he did what he did. But I can just say that in my belly, I had that burning desire to make my life better. And I think that's maybe a question for the ages. I mean, why do two brothers who grew up in the same home choose different paths? It happens all the time. You know, you're, you're under similar circumstances, similar hardships, and one decides to use his fist for the streets and the other decides to use it on the football field and the wrestling mat, you know, to get physical and tough and rough and all that stuff. And, I mean, who, who knows? I think if we could figure out why. I think you're right. That's they have right. something, but it's not so easy to figure that out. And you probably, if you're working with teens, you probably are trying to figure that out on a regular basis. Oh, absolutely, because <laughs> teens, teens will break your heart. 
you know, just when you think you're making progress with them, they go and they do something that's that that can ruin potentially ruin their lives. Uh, and that breaks your heart when they do that. But then you see the other side. You know, when you see a kid that doesn't look like he or she's got much hope and you work with them a little bit and they just turn it around and live a live a great life and, you know, bring bring wonderful kids of their own into the world and end up being good parents. And, you know, you just feel you've really done something special with that. So I would say I don't know exactly what the secret is, but I do know one thing that you can't give up on them. You've got it right there. Absolutely. And um, they will remember you. I think I read someplace that there are seven people in our entire lifetimes that have a major influence on us. And I'm sure that as teenagers, they will remember you as one very strong influence because of not only your passion, your understanding, but how much you care. That's very evident in what you're saying is there is a caring. And you don't think that kids kids uh, see that? Absolutely. Well, they sure do, Karen. I got a funny story now that I'm thinking oh, about it. Oh, sure. Share it. Maybe about five years ago, I was in this restaurant, and this, this young man came up to me in the restaurant. And he was like, Mr. Blanchard? And then he's like, Coach? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so he must have been an athlete. All right? And I'm kind of placing him. You know, and I'm thinking, all right, so where am I? And I'm like, okay, I'm not eating dinner in New Britain where I teach school but I'm eating uh, dinner in East Hartford where I grew up. So I'm like, all right, I know I coached football for a couple of years, so maybe he was a football player. So I'm trying to figure out who he is. And the whole time he's sitting there telling me, I will never forget what you told me. What you told me made all the difference in my life, completely changed my life forever. He's like, now I'm married. I got kids. I'm a good man. You know, I'm a good father, a good husband. I got a good job. And he goes, and what you said made all the difference. I will never, ever forget that, what you said. And I'm thinking, okay, one, what's your name? <laughs> two, two, please tell me what I told you because I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know what I told you. And he's going on and on about what a difference I made in his life. And then he thanks me and walks away, and I never find out what I told him. Oh. And I was like, oh, gosh, I wish he had told me what I told him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You never but found out. I never found out what I told him. Or exactly which youth that was, because I've worked with thousands of youths over the years, over the last two decades, I, more than two, two and a half decades. I've worked with thousands and thousands of them, and I'm like, okay, which one was this one? Obviously, it was back a while ago. And I'm like, and what did I tell them? And, and as crazy as it made me feel that I didn't know which one he was and what I told him, I walked away from there saying, you know what? It's just been reinforced. That's right. We are like on a stage and they're always watching and always listening to us. What we say and what we do better be messages that we want them to live. I want you to repeat that, Dan. What we say and what we do better be messages that we want them to live because they are paying attention whether we know it or not. And that can go two directions. Absolutely. So you you got to live a life that's worth emulating. Well, it sounds like um, it didn't really matter, as you said, who he was. But you're re- you're remembering him. You're never going to forget him again if you run into him. Maybe next time you can ask him his name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a funny, a funny story, but it does bring up the importance of what we say and do in front of our youth. And the impact. Absolutely. 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 Mm-hmm. Now, what message 
you're basically telling me a little bit of what you're what you're trying to to share with teens, and I want you to talk about more of that as well. But what message do you have for parents of teens? Because I think this is one place where a lot of parents are pulling their hair out, and yes. if they can have a coach or a mentor in their kid's life, such as you, I am sure they are more than grateful. So, what mm-hmm. message do you want to give to parents? Well, I, well, first of all, I want to tell parents out there that they've got the toughest job in the world. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have the toughest job in the world. And this is what I want all parents to know, why they're doing the toughest job in the world. Even though it's the toughest job in the world, they do not have the luxury of letting up. Because our kids are listening to us. Whether we know it or not, no matter how frustrated we get, in the end, they are listening to us. And they don't want us to give up. If we may not find out for years when they come back to us and say something that we said to them, uh, you know, that's the proof that they were listening to us. But I've been telling parents this for the last two decades. Whether you know it or not, your kid is listening to you and your kid needs you to keep at it and to keep telling them what to do and keep giving them the advice. They need you to keep doing that. You don't have the luxury of getting tired, getting weak, getting frustrated. and, and I mean, you could do those things, but you can't give up. You can't let those things force you to give it up and just throwing your hat in. You've got to keep plugging away. Your kid is listening. And you have to show them love. Uh, absolutely. There absolutely. has to be, you know, there's discipline and love are have to be balanced. Absolutely. And I, I feel so fortunate. I mean, I've got my, my kids from 13 to 3, four girls and a boy, my 10-year-old boy, still comes up to me just out of the blue for no reason, will just grab me and kiss me. I know. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is wonderful. I love that. And I'm thinking, well, I would have never done that to my father. I know maybe, you know, it was a different time back then. Uh, but still, like my father was never, you know, he was a very hard man, mm-hmm, a hard, mm-hmm. hard drinking Marine. And he, uh, you know, he never gave me like that love that I give my kid. And at, and at the same time, I never would, would have grabbed him just out of the blue and kissed him. Yeah. You know, and that's my boy does that to me. So I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm doing something right. My and son I, did that in his 30s to me. So I, sweet. you know, they, they all of a sudden they realize, oh, my goodness, I appreciate you. And they have learned how to share it because you taught them that. Yeah. And I tell you, Cal, I mean, we can take some pride. And sometimes this is, this is like fuel. But we can take some pride in knowing that we, us parents, we do have the toughest job in the world. And it's, it's not supposed to be easy. We do have the toughest job in the world, and we're doing it. So let's keep doing it. I'm going to inject something here, um, that just what you um, reminded me of, something my son said to me. And tell me what you think, if, if you agree or not. And that is when he was about, um, oh, I suppose, early 20s, he told me that the reason that he didn't rebel was because even though he didn't deserve it, I trusted him. Can yeah. you address, I thought, you know, at the time that really made an impact because there, in my heart, I really didn't trust him, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't let him know that. I let yeah. him know that he was, you know, he made his own choices. He, he was going to determine his future by his choices and I had to trust that they were the right ones. Can you address that at all? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And the thing is, like, if parents come to me and they tell me their kids did something, and, uh, and I say, listen, here's the deal. You're probably not going to want to hear this, but here's the deal. 
Um, it, it probably in the big picture isn't that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I'll have a mother say, but my daughter swore at my, you know, my boyfriend or my husband or whatever. And I'll say, I know this is going to anger you and that your daughter shouldn't have done that. But in the big picture of things, in the end, it's probably not that big of a deal that your daughter lost her cool. From mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because in the big picture of things, you've got to wrap your arm around her, give her a hug or give your son a hug, you know, kiss them, tell them you love them, tell them you trust them. You know, say I tell my son, you know, he gets frustrated sometimes and says things like, you know, don't you trust me or something like when he's trying to do something, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to help him. He's like, don't you trust me? And I'll say, I'll say, Dakota, I trust you with my life. Uh, any day I'll put my life in your hands. I trust you so much. And, you know, you do these things and it makes an impact. And of course, they're going to make mistakes. Of course, they're going to disappoint us. Of course, they're going to lose their cool and say something stupid every once in a while or do something stupid every once in a while. And at that point, you've got to like not get lost in the moment, but think big picture. Am I going to be seen as a parent that judges and punishes or am I going to be seen as a parent that has empathy and is loving and caring and teaches the right thing to do? And That's sometimes, good. yeah, and sometimes you got to, like you said, you got to trust them maybe when they're not trustworthy at, the, at that moment or that time in their life. Um, it, it all comes down to you got to be that person that's empathetic and that's willing to teach them. And the hard road, some, most of the time, is not the way to go. I interviewed a lady yesterday, and she made a made a comment, and I'm going to share that with you because I think it, it it it's very appropriate here. And that is, um, she also um, uh, works with teens, and she said, "Notice what you're noticing." In other mm-hmm. words, if some if you notice something, yeah. look into it. Is it negative? Why? Is it positive? Why? Why am I noticing it? Why is it making an impact on me? And what should I do about it instead of just letting it pass? So I thought that was an interesting point. I, I, I like that, Carol. And that reminds me of a, something I was just reading the other day. And someone said, notice how you react to your kids. Mm, that's right. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, pay attention to how you react to your kids uh, when they do something. I mean, pay attention. Do you do you feel your blood pressure rising? <laughs> Do you feel yourself getting heated and angered? Do you hear yourself saying mean things? Mm. Or things that you wouldn't have said to them if you were in a different frame of mind? Um, do you hear yourself criticizing them? Do you hear yourself constantly saying no to them? But, uh, and, and it's weird because sometimes every now and then, like my wife will razz me a little bit and say, you know, oh, the kids, when they want something, they go to daddy. Because they know mommy's the tough one here. And I say, well, hold on a second. <laughs> they, they come to daddy because daddy thinks about what they're asking. And I'm like, what's the big picture here? Is this really going to cause harm if they have like a second and dessert? You know what I'm saying? What's the big well, Yeah, have seconds for dessert. Well, now, um, so just parents, you got to notice. I mean, are you always saying no to your kids? In other words, don't be so rigid, right? Don't be so rigid. Are you always feeling like put out? And if you're feeling put out, notice that. That's the first step. Notice that. And then remember, you got the toughest job in the world. Give yourself a little fire for that, that you've been doing it, and keep doing it. 
How do you deal with either parents, if that would even um, be something that you would deal with, but especially teens when they're abused by their parents? I'm sure you've run into that in an inner city school. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, most of abuse comes down from lack of knowledge, lack of training, and frustration. And all of those can be addressed and helped along with you know, professional help. Uh, you you got to tell somebody. You know, if you're a kid, you got to build a really positive relationship with somebody in your school, whether it's your teacher, coach, guidance counselor, administrator, lunch aide, uh, whoever, security guard. you got to build a positive relationship with somebody who's an adult in that school. Um, and you got to share these things with them so they can get your family positive help. And if you're, you know, if you're a parent that's that's doing this, you know, I'm reaching out to you right now and I'm asking you to please recognize what you're doing. Uh, try to figure out why you're doing it. I mean, are you just repeating the cycle of what you grew up with? Right. And you are just repeating the cycle of what you grew up with then do you want your kids repeating the cycle? <clears throat> so you got to think big picture here, and you got to try to get some counseling and some professional help. Um, you know, frustration, unfortunately, gets the best of us. And I know with the toughest job in the world as being a parent, we many times get frustrated and do things that are not us. So we need some help. We need some help, and, and there's help out there. So you got to reach out and you just – you can't just continue the cycle because your kids are just going to continue the cycle. And um, and if you're a kid here listening to this right now, I want you to think what I thought. My dad was very, very hard and very, very abusive. And I know that his dad did that to him. And I made a conscious choice that I was going to stop that cycle, and I did. So if you're a kid out there, you've got a choice. And you're I hope right. you choose to stop the cycle. Life isn't fair. But you got to stop the cycle. I've interviewed quite a few people recently who have been victims of abuse. And each one of them, one of the reasons that they're on my show is for this very reason, that they made the choice not to, A, continue the cycle, or B, allow it to affect them and keep them in a negative place, but to turn that negativity into something positive and make something of themselves. Yeah. So that is the message that you are giving. And it is a message both to the parent and to the teen. Um, are there? Do you are you able to see the results? I mean, because these kids leave, you know, they move on. Other than the guy that shall remain nameless that found you, and <laughs> you know, but are you able to see results? Carol, the tough thing about teaching is that the majority of the time you never see the results. You know, you never get to see that finished product on so many of uh, the students that you work with. You know, they go away, they, you know, they graduate, they, they go away, they move away, they do who knows what. But the beautiful thing about teaching is that every now and then, one comes back and mm. walks into your classroom. And, and it, then that's a reminder, a reminder that you make such a huge difference as an educator. And um, when kids come back, you know, and tell you, I mean, I mean, I had a kid that just came back, maybe whatever it was, six months ago. He came back, and this kid was a ball of fire, 
saying, Mister, since I've left you, I've been tearing it up out there, doing things that are unimaginable. I'm becoming so successful. It's all because of you. And he goes, and he goes, just give me two more years, and I'll be back again with reports that are going to blow your mind on what I'm accomplishing. You know, and we, you know, when you get something like that, you you have to pat yourself on the back and say, cool. I mean, I'm doing some really good stuff here, and I got to keep going. And you know, you can't get like the bad moments or the bad days get you because you're making such a difference out there. Uh, any adult that's working with kids, that's right, is making a difference out there. But just remember, they're listening and watching everything you say and everything you do. So always be that person that's on stage making the difference because you are on stage. So make that difference. When my little guy was 15 months old, I put him into a Montessori daycare. And the teacher told me that there's only three things that are important in raising children. And it doesn't matter if they are 15 months old or 15 years old. And those three things are example, example, example. No doubt. I so agree with that, Carol. I so agree with that. One of the things I've done in my life, Carol, is I've dedicated my life to leading by example through uh, inspiration. Every single day, I try to better myself just a little bit. Hmm. And I try to do things that scare me and try to accomplish <laughs> big things. And I, I make big, bodacious goals in my life. And, my, and I share these with my students. <clears throat> and my students see what I'm doing, see how I live my life, and it inspires them. Right take steps to improve their life, to, to reach for some of their goals. And you are living by example. <laughs> exactly. So I've always believed in inspirational leadership. And if I improve myself every day, then hopefully I inspire my colleagues to improve themselves every day. And we all inspire the youth that we're uh, teaching or coaching under us to, um, you know, to step up their game and tried for bigger goals and to constantly work at it every single day. And, you know, and Carol, that's the big thing is you got to put the work in. You that's right. Every single day you've got to put the work in to try to make yourself a little teeny bit better. And when you do that, you've got a way of rubbing up on other people and inspiring other people. And I've always lived my life through that mentality of inspirational leadership. And um, I, I've been pretty successful. And, and there's been great, great rewards from it. Absolutely. And it's, it comes back to attitude, doesn't it? And choice. Mm-hmm. That you, made, you had the right attitude and the positive attitude and you made the right choice and you're sticking with it no matter what. Absolutely. Now, what, why do you call – well, first of all, let's talk about your speaking um, before we talk about your books. What, what are, how are you available? What venues? Um, and do you speak to educators, to parents? Tell me about that. Well, Carol, I've been very fortunate in this field. I've been almost like a natural in speaking. I got involved in Toastmasters and climbed right to the top of Toastmasters and then went into professional speaking and I've done very well with the professional speaking. Uh, people can contact me through my website on granddaddysecrets.com and there's like an email there, so if they want to learn more about me, or they can watch some of my speaking on that. Okay. And I'm speaking to multiple audiences. Obviously, uh, as a teacher, 
I speak to teams, all sorts of different team groups. I, you know, as a coach, I speak to like athletes, all sorts of different athlete groups. And then as a, um, as a teacher that has done very well, I speak to teachers also that are struggling uh, with their students. Mm. So I speak to those groups, teachers that are like pulling out their hair and saying, what do we do with our students? Well, I've got, I've got a little seminar that I do that inspires them and gives them some great tips on how to become more successful with difficult students. So those are a couple of groups I speak to. And then I've also been lucky enough to slide in and just be able to talk to just adults. And I give like a motivational, inspirational speech for adults of various things. Sometimes I, sm- I talk to like small business owners or I may walk in and talk to a room full of like real estate agents, you know, or uh, all sorts. So it's not just teachers. Okay. Okay. But I talk to. So I've got, um, I got multiple seminars and speeches that okay. I do. I hit all sorts of different audiences. So I've been very fortunate with that. Okay. And affect a lot of different people. We'll we'll put all that on your on your page as well regarding uh, this interview, so that people can contact you, especially within your area, if they aren't already aware of you, and oh, cool. um, see if we can get you know some more engagements there. Um, now your books. Tell me yeah. about your books. Why the name that you yeah. chose, and um, and why you feel that they are life changing. Okay, great. I'm glad you brought up my books, and I. I giggle almost every time I hear my books. I'm, I'm the boy that grew up who didn't know how to write and uh, somehow made it to college. And one of my college professors gave me back my term paper, put a big eye on it and said, my poor boy, no one ever taught you how to write. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So he goes, he goes, you're going to take this home and do this over Christmas. Uh, he goes, I gave you an I because I can't give you anything else except for an F. So here I was, the boy that, the boy that couldn't write. And now I've got a whole bunch of books that I've written. <laughs> so I guess I should be thanking this professor. <laughs> so, That's um, right. That's right. Yes, I should be thanking him for that. So I, I, over the years, I've learned to write. So, again, students, kids out there that are struggling with writing, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear, and you can do it. I did. So uh, I got a series out there uh, called The Granddaddy's Secrets uh, book series. And uh, it, there's a 10th grade story called Feeling Lucky. A 11th grade story called Feeling Good and a 12th grade story called Feeling Strong. And uh, the reason I called it Granddaddy Secrets was because as a teacher for um, almost, well, over two decades now, something that I kept hearing was kind of disheartening. And I kept hearing like students or youth not having proper respect for older people. Mm. So sometimes I'd hear them say that, oh, those are just, so, you know, that's a guy. You know, like like an old guy doesn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. And it, it even got so bad that sometimes I'd be teaching them about Abraham Lincoln or Alexander Hamilton or some of those, and they'd say, oh, those are just a bunch of old dead guys. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, hold on a second. You think just because people are old and people lived a long time ago, they don't know anything? Wow. And then I started hearing, Carol, the other side of the equation. I started hearing old people saying, you know, what's wrong with our youth? Right. Oh, my God, it's yes. scary. Our youth is scary. These are the people that are going to take care of us. Mm. So, <laughs> I, I, so I started thinking, okay, I need to do something about this and try to get both of these populations to entrust each other and to start spending time with each other 
almost like in a mentoring capacity because the older people have something very valuable to share with the young people. And the young people will listen even though the older people don't think they will listen. So they will listen. They, they, they do want help even though they act like they don't want help. So I wanted to set up like a whole like sort of mentoring sort of thing, getting them together. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do to catch kids' interest? Well, I'm going to call it secrets. Granddad, uh, granddaddy represents an old wise guy. And uh, we've got a guy with a lot of wisdom, a lot to share, and he's got some secrets. And what kid doesn't love a secret? All kids love secrets, right? <laughs> Very so I, good. I figured I could pull them in. So instead of calling them life lessons, life-changing lessons, I call them secrets. I call them secrets of success. And I want these kids to be curious. Okay, so what do, what do these older people have to share? What secrets do they have to share with me that can make my life easier, make me more successful? And here comes the granddaddy's secrets or the granddaddy's secrets of success that can change these kids' lives for the better. Wonderful. Make them, make them higher quality youth, which will eventually turn into higher quality adults that can return the favor to the next generation. You know that is so interesting that you said that because I'm thinking, of course, as you're as you're talking and relating. I'm a grandma now, so my kids, you know, are, are well past their teenage years, of course. Um, but I remember when I was the mom of teens, and something that a lot of my uh, other moms in that same age group would say to me, and you've probably heard this a million times, and that is, I dread when my kids turn to teenagers and I used to say, I can't wait because when they're teenagers, we are going to have a blast because I still felt young and, and I had my first baby when I was 40. So, (laughs) so it wasn't, it wasn't that I was young, but it's all a matter and a state of mind. And I couldn't wait till my kids were teenagers. And I think that's, and you're probably hearing both sides of that, right? I am. I am. And, I, and I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot of joy in raising teenagers if we if we look in the right place. That's right. You know, like I can't wait to uh, start having, let's say, more competitive basketball games. With my yes, son. yes. <laughs> and more interaction on an adult, almost adult level. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now I do it with my students. And, um, I, you know, I, and I advise all teachers to have the mentality that's similar to what I have is that when I walk into a classroom and there's a bunch of students there, I never think of myself as better than them. Right. I think, Good. Of, I Good. think of all of us as like one big happy family, and we're going to share things this whole year. So I never look down my nose as I'm the old wise guy mm. that, that has all this information, and they better listen if they know what's good for them. I, I share. I share stuff with them. And I want them to share stuff with me. And it's almost like we're almost like equals in that classroom. And I think if you have that mentality as an educator, uh, it's a little teeny bit tougher as a parent to have that mentality because they're with you longer and you got to set some more boundaries with them. Uh, You know, you can't actually be their best friend, but you can be their friend. Right. Same time as being a parent. That's you can have that whole sharing um, and, and looking forward to that more competitive basketball game with them. You know, looking forward to going and watching better movies with them. 
You know, you can find a lot of joy in those teen years if you let yourself and look in the right places. And you know what, Dan, is they, they recognize that. You know, I I love those years with, with my teens and all the things that we did together because I enjoyed their company. And they know that. And when they know that, what how they return that favor to you is when they ask you to be in their company. <laughs> you know, I used to be the mom that, um, I didn't mean to turn this into me, but I'm just that you're relating so many things here that I appreciate. And you're giving me a pat on the back kind of as I'm listening to you. But I remember being the mom that would always be the one to ask to take the kids to events and to have them come over to the house and that. And I think that's what we should strive as our goal, to be that kind of parent that your kids want to be with. Because if they know that you want to be with them, right, they're going to want to be with you. Well, I agree, and, and, and I fully agree with you. And I, I look back, and I think most of us look back, and most of us will say that the high school years were precious years for you know, for a lot of us. They were very precious and special years when you're finally learning about this great big world and you're getting ready to venture out, and it's exhilarating, and it's, it's a little scary, and this and who who's better to be with you than your parent during that time? Right, right. Oh, I couldn't think. Yeah, you know, why 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 wouldn't you want to be a piece, be part of that? With your I kids? totally agree. So, I think that's one of your goals. Obviously, is to change the way parents are thinking. Absolutely. Instead of instead of dreading it, right? Yeah, I think they should be loving it, loving it. Any amount of time they get to spend, uh, you know, with their kids during the during all the years. Uh, and teachers are the same thing. You know, I get teachers that say, well, I teach math. And I'm like, really? I'm like, because, because I teach kids. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's I, good. What do you teach? I, what do you teach, Dan? <laughs> what do you teach? You know, some people say, you know, well, yeah, it's funny because some teachers have that mentality that the content is the most important thing in that room. And I say, well, no, the students and the relationships in that room that I'm developing with those students is the most important thing. And then I just use the content to drive discussions of life lessons that I'm trying to teach these kids. And if we don't get through something today because, you know, we, we got through something else that the content made available for us, you know, some kind of discussion, some kind of life lesson that the content made available for us, if we spent a little time on that and we didn't get to cover the entire lesson, so what? Who cares? The kids learn something more important. That's they make right. them learn how to apply knowledge. You know? Very good. Boy, you really hit the nail on the head. All the more reason why people need to buy your books. I'm, I'm sure that you share a lot of what you shared here, and that's excellent, Dan. Absolutely excellent. It's so uh, good to know there are people like you out there. <laughs> thank you, Kai. I appreciate you giving the opportunity here to share what I know. And I said, and, and people out there, you'll do yourself a great favor if you can check out my Granddaddy's Secrets books and my Granddaddy's Secrets website. I've had a lot of people that read my weekly columns, look at my books, go on my website, and say, wow, it's a very unique teen leadership perspective, but a very powerful one uh, that a lot of people out there are enjoying. And I feel good knowing that I, I'm making people's lives better through what I what I teach, what I, what I write, what I preach. So um, I feel so good with the stuff I'm doing. That obviously is your motivation. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's what keeps you going. That's what's behind uh, this passion of yours is, is, you know, the repercussions are, the positive repercussions are phenomenal. In your optimism and your perseverance, you mentioned that in your note to me, um, your perseverance. You're, you're the type of person that that uh, will, will pursue and will press in and be tenacious. Um, is this something you have always been? Is this why you accomplished what you did in, in the uh, wrestling? Yeah, always. I mean, I, it's kind of funny. I had a buddy of mine that came back a few years ago. We went out to breakfast, and they used to wrestle with him. And we were sitting there talking about wrestling, of, of course. And he was, like, looking at me, and he was like, Dan, he goes, the amazing thing I think about you he goes, you just like like willed it. He goes, mm-hmm. that, those state championships and the, those junior Olympics. He goes, you just willed it. He's like, you were a guy that was just so intense that would outwork every single person in practice every single day and just willed it. And when you came up against other wrestlers that were like that like looked unbeatable, he's like, you just got in there and you just willed it. And you just hung with them and hung with them and like would never give them a second's rest and just wore them down. And he goes, and then at the very end, pulled ahead and beat them. And you beat like kids that were like, seemed like they were unbeatable. And he goes, it was just like the way you just, they're tenacious, just will. And he just willed it. So, uh, and that's the way I, that's the way I, I always did sports. And that intensity of like never, ever backing up for a second and always, you know, moving forward, moving forward. And, and then I then I learned how to transfer that into education. In high school, I was a C student across the boards. Most colleges didn't want me because my SAT scores weren't good enough. My high school grades weren't good enough. But Carol, as I speak to you right now, here I am, 14 years later of college, seven degrees later. Hmm. I've, been, I've been picked up by uh, Phi Lambda Theta, which is one of the most elite academic uh, academia associations out there and I've gotten pretty much straight A's all through college and the guy that got all C's in high school so that's because of that I you received in that essay right yes there you go <laughs> and because and because I learned how to take that intensity and that never-ending effort that I that I did in sports I learned how to transfer that over to the classroom for the first time in college. And I didn't care how long it took. I was going to do a good job in that class. And I wasn't going to back up. I was only going to move forward. And I, and I was going to keep going forward. I was going to succeed no matter what. And and, and so I tell kids, listen, I, I didn't think I could even get into college. I didn't think I was good enough for college. I didn't think I was smart enough for college. Uh, but if you're doing something in your life successful right now, no matter what it may be, if you're if you knit successful, if you play checkers successful, if there's anything in your life that you do well, you can transfer those skills and that mentality and that work ethic over to another area in your life and do well in that area too. And that message isn't just for teens or parents of teens; it is for people. Absolutely. You, know, you are you are giving. Um, I was going to ask you next, what is your call to action? But I think. You basically just said it. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Uh, do it better. Push yourself and mm-hmm. and you accomplish your goals. So what is your call to action today, Daniel? Well, my call to action is I want to be the best possible me that I can 
and thus inspire everyone I come into contact with to live a higher quality life, more enjoyable life, a life where they too can affect others. And, and now, thankfully, through my authoring and speaking, I'm also doing that with people that I've never met. So right, right. It's beautiful. That's your online presence. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure. You have given me so much to think about and so much to be thankful for. And I really appreciate the fact that you are taking this message out because these are our next generation. These are our leaders that are coming up. And to know that there's somebody out there, especially in an inner school situation where you can inspire these kids, oh, my goodness, my hat is off to you, as I'm sure that uh, uh, many of my listeners will agree. So we look forward to hearing good things. We are going to... um, probably you know talk to you again and and maybe share some more stories um in the meantime let's get to your website let's get your book is is your book granddaddy secrets on amazon i didn't ask you that yes it's on amazon and the the 10th grade story the first book is called feeling lucky it's on amazon okay okay i want i want listeners to be aware of this the the first time i wrote feeling lucky it was in 2010 this is 2015. I have just rewritten. Oh, okay. I've learned a lot in the last five years. So the one with the brown cover is from 2010. And the one with the red cover is from 2015. And it just got put out a couple of days ago. Oh, you're kidding. This okay, is- so that's Feeling Lucky on Amaz- with a question mark yeah, on yeah. Amazon, Amazon. And that is the red cover. Yeah, the red cover. And uh, and that's the, the, the better version because I've learned a lot over the last five years that I wanted to go back and share with my uh, with all my people. Now, what does the what does the uh, title mean? Feeling lucky. Ah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Carol. Uh, so many of my students have uh, many times been unwilling to do the work to succeed, and they they sit back like they're going to get lucky somehow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've had kids saying, I don't have to do this classwork because I'm going to make music. And I'll say, okay, are you practicing in a studio now? And they're like, well, no. (laughs) They'll say, well, I don't have to do this classwork because I'm going to be a basketball player. Okay, are you playing on your high school basketball team? And they'd be like, well, well, not yet. You know, and I'd be like, all right, first of all, you're not going to just get lucky. You know what I'm saying? Like, luck isn't something that just is given to you. Most likely, you're not going to win the lotto. You're not going to have a rich uncle in California. Someone is going to leave you millions. Someone's not going to come up to you and just give you a music contract or, or just sign you up for a professional basketball team. These things are not going to happen. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to change people's paradigm of luck and, and get it away from something that somebody just comes and gives you like the Easter buddy. You know what I'm saying? Luck from, now, yeah, luck from now on has to be you going and getting it. It has to be hard work and preparation meet an opportunity. So I want to change the paradigm of lucky. So feeling lucky is no longer something being given to you. It's you going out and earning it with the preparation, meeting opportunity. I want you to repeat that last statement. That's excellent. All right. I want to change the whole paradigm of luck. And I don't want the people to sit around saying he's so lucky, she's so lucky, or I know I'm going to get lucky. I'm changing the whole paradigm of luck. It's no longer something that somebody comes and gives you. It's something that you go out and make happen, something you go out and work for. It's preparation, meet an opportunity. 
That's wonderful. And on that note, I think that's an excellent note to stop for today. Um, Again, you have said so much. I hope that our listeners will listen to this even more than once because there are many, many positive messages and especially to teens and to parents of teens and to teachers. I loved it. I appreciate it. You're excellent. What an inspiration you are, Dan. Thank Thank you so much for coming today. And I really enjoyed being on your show. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.